Today on this episode of Going Deeper, we are reading through some of the prophets and we discuss the things that they tell us to do and some things that they tell us not to do and how much of what they say points us towards the coming of Jesus. I'm your host, Kyle McCaskill. I'm Haley Kesterson. I'm Doug DeGraffin-Reed. So join us as we go deeper. Prophet throws people off. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to all our E100 folks. When we think of the word prophet or prophecy, we have been so inculcated by uh, apocalyptic literature and bad Mm -hmm. TV preachers, we think that prophecy (laughs) is predicting the future. The technical word for prophet and prophecy does not mean prediction, it means proclamation. Mm -hmm. A prophet is not so much predicting the future as he is or she is proclaiming God's word and challenging people to live in obedience with God's word. Particularly in the book of Isaiah, you might say, well, it looked like Isaiah was predicting the future. Nah, he went mm-hmm. south to the Dead Sea and he looked out and he saw the armies of the Egyptians and he goes north to the Sea of Galilee and he sees the armies of the Assyrians and he thinks, we're this little country and we're sandwiched mm-hmm. in between these two mighty armies. We are about to be in trouble. It doesn't mm-hmm. take Fellini to figure out that there's about to be a fight. These classic prophets, particularly Isaiah and Jeremiah are poetic in nature. Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. He is responsible for the book of Jeremiah and the book of Lamentations. Mm -hmm. And if you're ever having a bad day, just read the book of Lamentations. Your day is not as bad as uh, Jeremiah was Mm -hmm. having. Um, Isaiah, uh, Jesus used Isaiah when he goes into the temple. Mm -hmm. He pulls out the scroll of Isaiah, and his first sermon comes from the book of Isaiah, that um, this is what the Lord has anointed me to do. He's anointed me to proclaim the year of the Lord and and salvation and redemption and healing. He also uses what are called the suffering servant uh, Mm -hmm. passages through Isaiah as a picture of his ministry and a picture of what he is going to do. But he was wounded for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that makes us whole, and by his bruises or stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And I would um, delightfully look at uh, Haley and say, okay, there's your your goat from Azazel. There is the whole imagery of the Day of Atonement that the uh, sins of the people and our sins were laid upon Jesus on the cross, and he was a propitiation for our sins. That's and a college word. Yes, I love that word. I worked that in because uh, the first time Haley preached here, we had the word propitiation. Mm-hmm. But within the classic prophets, the classic preachers, um, there are always ways of deepening your faith. And um, um, you read particularly Isaiah and most of um, Jeremiah as poetry because it is poetry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so can I ask you a question right there? Um, we didn't agree to questions. Go ahead. Okay. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to 
kind of back up and maybe talk about not just Isaiah, but to the role of the prophets, because you keep saying the classical prophets. Versus the, the minor prophets. Mm-hmm. Okay, so explain the difference between that. Well, the technical difference is the length of their their materials. The minor prophets are found on one scroll within mm-hmm. Judaism. They're counted as one book uh-huh. because they don't take up uh, much much space on the scroll. We don't know who the prophets were. These books are ascribed. Isaiah, you know, in the six chapters, his call experience in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. But we're not really sure who they are. Um, Early on in the book of Samuel and Kings, they roved around in bands. And Saul was actually, is Saul among the prophets? They were kind of charismatic uh, people who who um, had what we would call spirit experiences, charismatic experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, they walk around speaking in tongues, right? And so, and you also said Isaiah the the preacher, or in his preachings, mm-hmm. is that a way we should look at the prophets? Are they preachers and teachers of the they, word? They are preachers and teachers. They are. Uh, both Isaiah and Jeremiah are calling the nation of Israel to repentance. They're um, trying to get the folks to to turn from their sins. Daniel, uh, which I know you're going to touch on later, Daniel is a call to live faithfully in hard times mm-hmm. uh, when the world turns against you and um, Jonah. Um, scholarship has treated Jonah all kinds of different ways. Is it um, an allegory? Is it a call to evangelize people we don't want to evangelize? Because we've all been in the third chapter of the book of Jonah where we haven't done what God's wanted us to do. Mm -hmm. Right. And the word of the Lord comes to us the second time. (laughs) So uh, they are calling individuals to righteousness. Um, He's shown you, O Lord, what is good and what does the Lord require, but you to love kindness, uh, walk humbly with your God, love kindness, do mercy, do, do mercy, mercy, love kindness, and, and walk humbly with your God. It's <laughs> before 10 it's, o'clock and the coffee is already running low. That, that scripture is actually on the entrance way to my, well, the exit to my office. So as I exit my office, I see that scripture, it's Micah 6, 8. Yeah, it reminds you to go out and yeah. and do do good, but also love doing good. Like, mm-hmm. love mercy. Be eager to go yeah. out and do the things mm-hmm. that are good. Yeah. Um, okay, so let me ask you a few more profit <laughs> questions, because I, okay. I know you're going to just dive in even mm-hmm. deeper. Um, but it's helpful, at least for me, to understand, one, the prophet's role, and that it's okay when we read through them, to recognize that this is really hard <laughs> to mm-hmm. understand, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this symbolism that we don't always know what it means. Mm-hmm. Um, not particularly to me- in Daniel. Particularly mm-hmm. in Daniel, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. And not to mention that it's really at different time periods. They're not written in any chronological that order. You are not right. reading them chronologically. Yeah. That is true. And so another thing I think that is interesting to note is that it's not like these prophets just sat down and wrote out everything that the Lord mm-hmm. gave them in that moment. And then we're supposed to like, okay, what does this teach me? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that that's not essentially what it was. It was that 
they went around teaching and preaching. They called people to repentance. They called people out when they weren't serving God. And then over time, they built these like kind of a series of lectures mm-hmm. and Sometimes they even hired people to like write it down for them. And so we have to look at it and say, understanding this, it's okay if I don't understand the surface Mm -hmm. of this, just reading it. But I'm going to have to dig a little deeper. Who was it? When was this time period? What king was that up against? You know, my mom is a court reporter, so she gets paid to write down Mm -hmm. what people say. And that's kind of what these guys did. Sometimes they hired scribes and... Mm -hmm. Are you reading it from that prophet's perspective or someone else? And so I just think that it's helpful when we're reading these um, to know that it is applicable to our lives, but it's okay if we don't understand it right away. And, and something that I found very helpful to, to help me understand was uh, Sandy Richter pops up a lot in discussions around here. But something that I learned from her is that the prophet in these times was actually a political office. Because they become the, a political yeah, office because the nation of Israel was mm-hmm. in effect a theocracy mm-hmm. of sorts and so you had the prophet the priest and the king were your three main uh, political offices uh, right in, that in is helpful to think period. about and we do have. We also read how the the role of the prophet becomes corrupted. Yes, because oh. some of the prophets will not speak truth to power. Correct. And yeah. that is another role of the prophets. Yeah. Hold your question. Yeah. I'm going to read from Hebrews. Yes. Book of Hebrews, New Testament. Yes, please. And what more should I say? For time would not, for time would fail me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, of Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raising, raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and in holes in the ground. Here's the good stuff. Yet all these... Though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better, so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. So the prophets, even though I said they don't predict the future, they are still preaching Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus is still there. Mm -hmm. Um, The the story of salvation, uh, the people are looking toward this great Messiah that is coming, who is going to release and free the people, who is going to call them to their own uh, relationship with him. So um, they were the street preachers with a conscience. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to know the will of the God, will of God, you called in the priest, but you also called in the the prophets. Mm-hmm. You know what does God want us to do? And as you said, they were involved in the politics. Uh, but you've got Isaiah jumping mm-hmm. up saying to the children of Israel, "Don't trust in the chariots of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Don't trust in military technology to bail you out when your God is the Lord." Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, that doesn't fly when the Pentagon's about to put a multi-billion dollar contract out there for a new jet airplane. You can't preach Isaiah yeah. because that sort of, that hits us in our cultural level. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, how dare a prophet talk about military technology? This all goes back to Israel's rejection of God as the king. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so you have this dichotomy. Do we trust in God? Or do we do what all these other nations are doing and get the best mercenaries and the best chariots mm-hmm. and fight it out? And they chose the best mercenaries and the best chariots. It didn't necessarily work out And they get their little them. Israeli backside kicked almost every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mighty Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Israel, God didn't call you to do this. So right. it's, it's pretty interesting to see that. When God is really in the middle of it, there is success. And when God is not in the middle of it, there is... Oh, 100%. Failure. Failure. Let's call it what it is. It was failure. You want to bounce through Daniel? Sure. Bounce through Daniel. So Daniel's kind of fun because I was actually Googling images of all the prophets, right? And everyone Mm -hmm. has their own interpretations of what these guys would look like. And even what you just read of that some of these prophets went out and they, like, confronted the world and, and they were kind of... Sh- I mean, they were the outcasts. Am I wrong? Dudes. They were strange yeah. Yeah, dudes. Really. You compared them to the street preacher, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. and today in our Bull culture, we look down on that, kind <laughs> of. People are like, oh, you know, that's kind of the weird guy preaching on the street. And that's what a lot of these characters were. And there's even... There's even some passage, I don't remember where it was, but Isaiah like walks around naked for three years or something. I don't know where that is, but you just can't let these people in church, can you? <laughs> well, it's just this Was he wearing a mask and social distancing? <laughs> but he was wearing a mask, but he was butt naked everywhere. Oh, okay. else. All right. So oh. yeah, so Isaiah's a little strange, right? And all of these these prophets are the outcasts and they're called to do these crazy things. And when you Google them, a lot of those images kind of um, align. Mm -hmm. But Daniel is the one that he's described when he goes into exile. He's chosen by the king that he's actually intelligent and strong and good looking. And so he's trained up to be a leader, Mm -hmm. um, even though he's in in exile. Mm -hmm. And so He's even pictured as kind of more handsome. There's that famous picture of him in the lion's den. He's got this like long, luscious Mm -hmm. hair. And so it's interesting how we picture them. And so Daniel's really fun to study because he's a really good example of what it looks like to serve God in a world where no one else is serving God. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we feel like that, that our culture doesn't serve our God, but he's a great example of how we do that. And so besides there being some crazy symbolism in the book of Daniel, he doesn't do too many weird gestures, like running around naked for three years, but he does have some weird dreams that that involve Mm -hmm. beasts, and we have to think about what those beasts symbolize and what that means. And this is a really good place to have a study Bible. If you don't have a good study Bible, get one that has some cross-references in it, especially for the Book of Prophets, prophets, because you can see, where does Jesus talk about that? Mm -hmm. Where is this mentioned in the New Testament? So, Getting a good study Bible is is really um, beneficial for the prophets. But specifically Daniel, we have a series of themes. And one of those major themes is, like you mentioned earlier, Doug, that we have to have hope and stay faithful 
in a time even when things seem difficult. The two main stories that we see with that is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which is their Babylonian names, how mm -hmm. we know them, because they didn't bow down and worship the false idols, they were thrown in this fiery furnace. Mm -hmm. And it says that the king looked down and saw a fourth man. And we don't know if that's a true Christophany, like that's Jesus in mm -hmm. that furnace with them, or if it's this angel of the Lord. But either way, these three men are protected. And then we see Daniel in the lion's den. He chooses to pray to his God three times a day. And there was a decree that you shouldn't pray to any other kings or gods besides Nebuchadnezzar. And so we see a similar story of what happens with Jesus, where people set Daniel up to fail. Mm -hmm. They know yeah. that he's going to pray to his God. Mm -hmm. They convince a king to make this decree that's going to entrap him. And the king doesn't want to punish him because he likes Daniel. He's yeah. a good leader mm -hmm. and he's doing well and successful in the kingdom, but he has to follow his decree and he throws him in the lion's den. And um, thankfully, the king's eyes are open that Daniel was protected and he, this, whoever this guy worships, he must be the real deal. Yeah. So we have to have hope and faith in those, those times. And then another theme that we see is the kings that didn't turn to God, um, specifically in chapter 4. Mm -hmm. um, there's this like really interesting imagery that, that King Nebuchadnezzar had this dream and even though it's interpreted by Daniel, he kind of turns away from it. And the the scene in chapter four, starting in verse thirty three, start to talk starts to talk about his demise. And it says immediately what he had been said, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like an ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven, and hair grew on him like feathers, and his and like feathers of an eagle, and his nails were like claws of a bird. And this imagery of him like turning into this beast is played throughout the book mm -hmm. of when people turn against God, they're like beastly. But when they turn towards God, things work out for them. Mm. But, it, and it's another theme, again, on the whole, if we're looking at the prophets as a whole, is when people turn against God, things go backwards mm -hmm. from creation so, and God's goodness. So it reminds me of a, a statement that a former pastor of mine made once. I'll attribute it to Chris Hallett. Uh, he said, you know, because he, he was doing a whole series on, on sin and everything and how, oh, we, we mess up. Oh, I'm only human. Oh. But his statement was, when we sin, we are acting subhuman. That's so because good. Because Jesus is the first one to come in and mm -hmm. actually be truly human. That is so good. Because God created us originally to, to live with him. And so when we sidestep that, and we, we choose not God, 
we are acting against that very image of God in us. Right. Mm-hmm. We we become less human, and that's exactly what mm-hmm. these prophets say. Yeah. And the language is so apparent about it's how an act away from creation of God's goodness and towards a more wild and chaotic way of living, mm-hmm. which is so funny because in today's culture, we seem to have this thought that just live out your human desires mm-hmm. or like chase it's chase you know your fleshly mm-hmm. desires because we're all human and if it feels good do if it, it. Feel, right if mm-hmm. it feels good do it but what the scriptures tell us is that that actually makes us less happy and less mm-hmm. joyful and less at peace with who we are because it takes us away from who we're supposed to be yeah um and when we can practice the discipline of turning towards god then we become more human and fulfilled, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. yeah, that's a really good point. That's awesome, Kyle. Um, so those are kind of some two major themes in the book of Daniel. Um, Jesus is going to quote from a lot of these prophets and including the book of Daniel later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you should talk about, Pastor Doug, a little bit of uh, Jonah. Jonah... Um answers the question, what do we do about our neighbors? What do we do about those that don't um, believe in God, who are godless? Mm-hmm. And Jonah says, "Go and pre-, or God tells Jonah, go and preach to them. And Jonah immediately jumps on a cruise ship and goes the other way. Because mm-hmm. Jonah doesn't, he doesn't want to preach to those Ninevites, but he knows God's character that if he preaches, the Ninevites are going to repent and God's going to let them off the hook. Who wants to preach to a bunch of sinners that God's going to let them off the hook? We want some hellfire and damnation falling from heaven. Mm-hmm. And so, Jonah, I'm going to preach on it when, when this, this Sunday, but Jonah is such a – his message is so powerful. I mean, the way he delivers it. He just is in a bad mood, and he basically says to Nineveh, okay, God said repent. If you don't repent, fire's going to drop out of heaven, and terrible things are going to happen. Amen. And everybody in Nineveh repents, and as you read the text, you realize even the cows are repenting. I have not seen bovine repentance, <laughs> but the king demands that all the the people of Nineveh and even the animals be placed in sackcloth and ashes as a sign mm-hmm. of repentance. And indeed, um, God does show mercy and grace oh. to Nineveh. Okay, and, you know, I have we a love talking about grace as long as it's for us. Oh, yeah. We don't want to talk about grace when you've been caught doing something right. wrong. You see, so uh, this is really the challenge for us. Grace is good for us, but mm-hmm. what about for your neighbor? And uh, Jonah challenges us with God's love and mercy and grace, as the old hymn used to say, is applicable for all. It is. Can I ask a life application question Uh-oh, on that? life application question. So, I think that's a really good point in the way Jonah delivered his message. He was kind of old and grumpy, and he just gave it like it is, like a lot of them. He said they yeah. were street preachers and repent, you know, because you're sinners and the kingdom of God is coming or whatever. And Daniel has a really different approach to that. Like, a decree is made that he, you know, you're not supposed to pray to any other gods, but he just goes in his silence of his room. Mm -hmm. He does open the window, Mm -hmm. which is kind of standard practice. 
And he just continues doing what the Lord has called him to do. He doesn't go out and yell at everybody on the street, mm-hmm. but he's faithful. And through that action, people see who he's faithful to. So I guess my question is, in today's climate, mm-hmm. do we need to be out there telling people on the street they're sinners? Because sometimes <laughs> God calls people to that. Okay. But other times... I can see that with what you said. Sometimes God calls people to that. If God has called you to go be a street preacher, go be a street preacher. If God has called you and he's called everyone by virtue, by virtue of your baptism, you are called into ministry. Okay. We're called to live a faithful witness for Jesus Christ. We're called to live with integrity. Um, we're called to live for Jesus, but there are other times we're called to use our mouth for Jesus. We're called to, to speak the word, um, and we're uncomfortable with that. Uh, and it, it goes, I guess we've all experienced too many bad examples of people who've do you know Jesus? Right. If you died tonight, would you go to heaven? Right. Uh, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Ask me my name first, please. Um, and one of the ways we talk to people about Jesus Christ is to listen to the other person, to listen for their hopes mm-hmm. and their hurts. That's right. To listen to how they've been raised and where they are. And to, believe it or not, open yourself up to the leadership of the Holy Spirit to speak a word in season. Because even with all the training and experience I have, there are times that, man, I'm going, okay, God, you better give me something to say right now. I need it. And um, so, yeah, there are two different approaches in Daniel and, and Jonah. And the more effective one is very likely Daniel, because Jonah's just preaching because God told him to, and he doesn't want to get swallowed by another fish. You know, he, <laughs> right. he he's afraid of what's going to happen to him if he doesn't obey God, and um, he is sort of half-heartedly preaching. Right. And he doesn't he doesn't really care about the Ninevites. I think Daniel comes from a spirit of caring. I agree. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. Kyle doesn't know I can see a clock. Malachi <laughs> is the last book in the Old Testament. The Hebrew word Malachi means my messenger. We don't know who Malachi is, but I love the way the, Ma- the book of Malachi um, talks about us as children of God, that we shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Um that's so happy. That just makes me happy hearing that. <laughs> it does. I, I, I look at Facebook so I can watch um, dog movies. Uh, all the dogs getting rescued, all the dogs getting saved. And, and there's a phenomenon when a dog gets really happy, it does what's called a zoomie. It just runs around <laughs> expending energy. And I'm trying to imagine a calf doing the same thing. The, mm-hmm. the, this is just a... As I get older, I guess I get more sentimental, and this is just a powerful image of joy, that the Old Testament ends with joy, because the Old Testament is pointing us to the page turn, Mm -hmm. and we're about to turn the page and meet Jesus. He will not be hidden. He will not be between the lines or deep in the text. Jesus is going to walk among us, and... um, 
that causes me like a calf to leap from the stall. That's mm-hmm. right. Yes. So I have mm-hmm. a question for our listeners. Oh, our listeners. Aha. Aha. I have a question for our listeners that as I was going through this material, oftentimes I think there's a perception that the prophets, because of, uh, because of how they're used in our modern Christianity, we like to think of the prophets as nice, fun, good news bringers. And as you're listening to or reading through the prophets, like really reading them, mm-hmm. you realize that they're not necessarily saying, way to go, guys. Oh, they, no. no way. Because we like to take things uh, like the, uh, the passage in Jeremiah that, no, I know the plans I have for you. For, to, to, to prosper. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, those things that we get these platitudes from. The prophets we would throw out of the meetings, Amos calls the women's group in the church the cows of Bashan, which is translated, okay, you fat, greasy heifers. And if you Word to the in, wise, don't call women's group don't, that don't, in your church. Don't call a women's group the cows of Bashan, but, but Amos is, I mean, he's on them. Um, these were guys that they only showered like once every three or four years. <laughs> they are hard-hearted mm-hmm. in, in terms of not hard-hearted. They are hard externally. You've got Hosea marrying Gomer, mm-hmm. a prostitute. And, you know, Gomer doesn't give up her f- profession even though she's married. And yeah. it's a powerful image of what Israel has done to God. All right. They have gone and chased after other gods. So they use words, they use symbolism, they use prophetic actions mm-hmm. to uh, get at the truth that God wants them to deliver. Um, there's some great poetry and and high literature. There's also earthy yeah. stuff that mm-hmm. you have to sit back and go, mm-hmm. whoa. Right. And, and one of the things that really struck me if we go back to Jonah real quick was the the whole idea that Jonah wasn't excited about preaching to the Ninevites. Nope. But if we trust that God is in our message, it's not our message, it's God's message, that God will take care of it. And the Ninevites repented. Well, we know he didn't. He wasn't happy about it because he sulks after they repent. Yeah, I mean that's right. that's like having a big altar call and then being upset that two thousand people join your church in one mm-hmm. Sunday. Yeah, but it was the wrong people. Yeah, it was the wrong people. And, right. And there are no wrong people, by the way. Well, there are no wrong people, but we accidentally and sometimes not so subtly divide into two camps: yeah. them and us. Right. And God says through Jonah, uh-uh. "It's all us. It's all us. We." Yeah. We are called to live faithfully for God. So that's the rub with Jonah. Mm-hmm. It would be like launching an a evangelical emphasis now to Iran or Iraq. Mm-hmm. It's just like, no. Right. We're not going to do it. And mm-hmm. what what is that theologically we're going through? What is it? What is it we're saying about our enemies? What did Jesus tell us to do with our enemies? Mm-hmm. Bless those who persecute you. Mm-hmm. Now, wait a minute, Jesus. So, 
like the calves leaping for the, from the stall were about to meet Jesus, and it's going to be great. It's yeah. going to be great. But he also challenges us. Mm-hmm. He challenges us in a deep place with our, our prejudices, with our, our lack of loving his world. Right. And Is it true that Jonah's maybe father or someone in his family was killed by the Ninevites? I know they were really corrupt people, but I want to say that I have read that somewhere, that either someone that had a relation to Jonah was killed or hurt by the Ninevites, which added on to their just kind of being a bad culture anyway. They were known for being really corrupt and angry and violent. So that just pushes me to think, one, if someone hurt my family, or maybe even as a listener, you have had someone hurt you or your family, maybe even in a really deep way. Um, But the person that you can't stand the most may be in the world. Mm Mm-hmm. If they were to come sit by you in church and join the church, we are supposed to have joy. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I honestly don't know how you even do that. If someone killed my brother or sister, I would have a really hard time having joy when I see them in church. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess you just pray to the Lord that he transforms your heart. Which is another theme of the prophets. That yeah. transformation. The prophets. <laughs> yeah. And are you living what we told you to live? And um, okay, you, are you dinging? Does that mean no, we're done? That's, I'm sorry. That uh, is uh, is the turkey is the turkey done? <laughs> Should we look in the microwave and, and see what's going on out there? So in a couple of weeks, we have yet another. Q&A session, so load us up with your questions. Ask deeper at gmail.com. Let us know what you're thinking. They don't have to be questions. They can be thoughts because we like discussing thought-provoking statements as well. And if you're new to the podcast this week, go ahead and subscribe wherever you're listening, whether you're watching on YouTube or you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Amazon Podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts specifically, give us a review because that means that Apple will say, oh, this is good stuff. We're going to recommend it to more people. And so you'll also find us on our website at trinityrustin.org. You can find us on social media. All you have to do anywhere you want to find us is just search for Trinity Rustin. Let us know your questions, and we'll see you all next week as we go into the New Testament. Thanks for listening.